This is Chris. Uh, welcome to an all-new program on the Chris and Reggie channel. Now, in the spirit of our old young animal gatherum, this time out we're going to do the Sandman Universe gatherum. We are covering the Sandman Universe books each and every week over at WeirdScienceDCComics.com on their site and podcast. And figured uh, since the first uh, the first story arcs for all four books are kind of wrapping up, it might be a good time to start compiling them. Uh, we're probably going to do probably about five or six weeks of these, uh, then go on hiatus, and then bring them back the next time a story arc ends. So these will be semi-regular, I guess you can call it. And uh, I'm just now noticing that if you break it down, you have Sand, Man, Universe, Gatherum. That's S-M-U-G. Hmm... Oh well. Now, we have five books for you this week. It's the first five that came out. We're doing these in the order of release rather than, uh, you know, just doing all the number ones, all the number twos, all that stuff. So we are going to start with the Sandman Universe number one. That was the one shot that launched this uh, this little imprint. And uh, that originally aired on August 19th, 2018. From there, we're going to go to the Dreaming number one, which originally aired on September 9th, 2018. Then, House of Whispers number one, which originally aired on September 16th, 2018. We'll hop back to the Dreaming for Dreaming number two. That originally aired on October 7th, 2018. Then we'll wrap it all up back with the House of Whispers, House of Whispers number two. Now, that originally aired on October 14th, 2018. Next week, we'll do all four books. So, Lucifer, Books of Magic, we'll introduce those to the line, and we'll uh, also continue along with the Dreaming and House of Whispers. These are probably going to be about an hour each. Uh, we don't generally go on so much about the Sandman books like we used to for the young animal stuff. Um, now, we're going to join the Sandman universe in uh, in progress. That uh, that uh, that episode actually was the second half of our Eternity Girl number 6 episode from back in the young animal days. So I'm going to throw some of my uh, customary horns, if you listen to... Uh, Chris on Infinite Earths, you've heard those horns before, so I'm going to throw those in here, and then we will launch right on into our discussion of Sandman Universe number one. See ya. Uh, we're going to be covering the Sandman Universe line that begins in September. Uh, it's actually coming out through Vertigo, which I didn't know at first. I thought they were going to be their own imprint. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't I, even notice that. It's, it's a Vertigo thing, which is fine, okay. with, fine with me. Sure. It doesn't really bother me, but... Uh, we're staying in the same editorial office then. Yes, I think allegedly. <laughs> this is supposed to be this is supposed to be like the big part of the big new Vertigo reboot that's like it did combine the editorial powers of DC and uh, Vertigo which I think meant that a lot of the Vertigo editors don't work there anymore is why they combine them but oh, <laughs> uh 
anyway, so so we're going to be covering that, and then uh, so their first salvo came out uh, this week on uh, uh, the eighth. It was the Sandman Universe number one, and it's by Simon Spurrier, Nalo Hopkinson, Cat Howard, Dan Waters, Bilquis Evely, Dominique Domo Stanton, Tom Fowler, Max Fiumara, Sebastian Fiumara, Matt Lopez, and Jay Lee did one of the ten. Bar- covers. Jay Lee did the main one, quote unquote. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That this one had a lot of covers, boy. I'll tell you what. Sure uh, enough. Which is which is strange, I think. But I, I anyway, I, I could editorialize about <laughs> I, that all day. I, I can't see somebody buying all ten of them. <laughs> just uh, you know, people people out there, you know, they're crazy, man. Those, those sad band fanatics, and uh, it's so many for a Vertigo book. It makes me wonder if it was almost like artists asked to do it, but that seems that's unlikely. possible. That's possible. It's possible, but. They also definitely asked to get paid, so that was you know that, that has <laughs> to be mitigated also. Great. Yeah. So uh, anyway, whatever it is, though, I'm sure the numbers on Sam and Universe are going to be great and uh, bless everyone's heart. So just want to say a note: this recap will be meaningless for many <laughs> without some familiarity with the Sam and series and its spinoffs. Uh, and we're gonna—I'll talk about that more at the end. But that definitely is the major issue with this issue. Uh, But this comic opens in the heart of the dreaming. Uh, Lucius is working in the library as usual. This library contains all of the unwritten works throughout history. And now Lucian is forgetting certain volumes or perhaps books are disappearing. Mervyn the jack-o'-lantern-headed janitor shows up and tells Lucian there's something outside he ought to see. There's a crack in the dreaming. Cain and Abel show up to complain, and as usual, Cain kills Abel, this time by smashing his face with a mallet, uh, repeatedly in the background, actually. Uh, Eve, of Adam and Eve, is concerned. (laughs) Says, this has never happened before, and she's been around a while, in case you didn't know, Chris. She is Mm, the the first lady, actually. She looked great for her age, though. She looked pretty good, I have to admit. Yeah, Yeah. she did look really good. Uh, Mervyn says that the hippogriff guarding the gate of the dreaming has turned into a dissection diagram. So something is definitely wrong in the dreaming. Okay, is anybody still there? <laughs> <laughs> the Sandman fans are still there. I know that, but maybe no one else. <laughs> no, Daniel is away. So Lucian goes to his sigil and calls him. There's no answer. So Lucian sends the raven Matthew Cable to go find him. Now Matthew can slip between the dreaming and the waking worlds by stowing away in a dream, and then unceremoniously waking up the dreamer of said dream. Now while in some older woman's dream about a lavish party, he runs into Dora. Now this is a new character. Uh, she's got like uh, feathers or wings behind her ears, but she is humanoid. Um, yes. Uh, and maybe maybe those wings are there instead of ears. It's 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 very stylistic. Yeah, so it's, uh, she has hair kind of covering. It's short, but it covers it. We'll find yeah, out more, like I'm sure, floppy, later. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, she doesn't want to wake... She doesn't want to wake this lady up because uh, Dora is enjoying the dreamed food so much. It's all about pancakes. <laughs> um, now, though a dream shouldn't have to eat, suggests Matthew the Raven. He uh, he doesn't think that Dora needs to be eating. No. Uh, also, uh, Dora shouldn't be able to waltz around in people's dreams without Daniel's say-so. Yeah, but Dora says she inhabits dreams because the first dream... The one before Daniel broke a promise. Again, you got to read that Sandman to know what I'm talking about. Uh, and the promise was she didn't need to be scared anymore, but apparently she did need to be scared, and we 
will theoretically find out what that was she had to be scared of. Uh, she doesn't seem to know that there is a new Sandman, though, since that happened, that somebody else is in charge of the dreaming. So when Matthew tries to wake the lady again, Dora turns into a hideous, snarling monster and pops them both out of the dream, which is another thing she's not supposed to be able to do. But Matthew doesn't have time for this. He just leaves <laughs> and goes off to find... He's like, uh, well, I don't know what's going on, but I gotta get out of here. He leaves. He goes to find Daniel. Uh, he hijacks a terrible nightmare being had by... Tim Hunter of London, London, England, and this is the central character to the Books of Magic series. Although reading about it, I heard it was going to be a new Tim Hunter. I don't know what is. It looks identical. He looks younger than, than maybe. he was in the 90s. It's true. So maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, the, the trappings seem the same, but... Sure. Uh, so anyway, that's who it is. Having been rudely awakened, Tim rushes off to school, and there he finds his usual teacher has been replaced by a Dr. Rose. This is a short-haired woman in a red scarf. She hands Tim a red book. The pages are all blank. Tim can feel some kind of magic coming off of it, but he just shares a regular class book with words in it uh, with his classmate. After class, Dr. Rose says she knows about Tim being a magician and says things will reveal themselves when he, themselves when he is ready. And, and as Tim leaves, we see the previous teacher has been murdered bloodily on his desk, but no one could see this because, you know, magic. Magic's great. Yeah. Now, uh, Matthew the Raven continues his journey. He flies off to New Orleans. That's a high... Uh, London to New Orleans, boy. That's not a direct flight, I'm and, telling and you what. Boy, am I arms tired. <laughs> really? <laughs> when he gets there, he sees a couple. This is Latoya and Maggie, and they're cuddling up. Much to the chagrin of their... Sisters, maybe, or I, I, I couldn't tell if they were, if it, maybe it was a boy and a little boy and a little girl. I That's, couldn't tell. It, but, I, I get the, the impression kids, Habibi yeah. is a sister. We're not sure about the other, but I would guess yeah. I would guess that she is. Yeah, so we got Habibi and Lumi are the are the two younger ones here. Uh, now Maggie gives the ki- the kids two bracelets in order to win them over. Habibi hates hers and chucks it right into the water. And it grows in sn- grows in size and actually ensnares an alligator. Yeah. Then a Zafdig mermaid grabs the lizard and pulls it ashore, and in doing so, the lizard grows a top hat. Uh, this is almost like a dream a four-year-old had, like retold or something. But uh, fever oh, during a fever. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> uh, the woman walks ashore. Now she's dressed and has legs. Uh, the alligator turns into a man, kind of like a man lizard, sort of, sort of like certain versions of Killer Croc, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, he recognizes the woman as as Ruli, and this is a type of spirit in Voodoo culture. Uh, did not do a ton of more research into it than that, but that should be good enough for now. Yeah, uh, we'll meet her sooner. And I, we'll I, meet more about her. I, I think, yeah, I think she's going to become a uh, regular character. So she pulls the chain from him, and the man bemoans being lured in by shiny things, and then he introduces himself as Uncle Monday, the Alligator King. And this is actually also a real legend stemming from the Seminole tribe of the Florida area that was also picked up later by uh, Haitians and Cajuns and whatever. Creole folk that uh, live in the area So uh, they talk for a bit Then we return to Maggie Latoya and the kids And find out that Latoya's dad is gay as well Hey, well sure, why not Uh, And then Habibi tells Maggie She isn't automatically her sister And then the scene pretty much just ends right there (laughs) does Now, back with Matthew He continues his search for Daniel And he heads over to the Lux Club Which was once owned and operated by Lucifer And it's in a pretty bad state of repair right now Uh, Now inside, Matthew finds that the place is a total wreck Inside Lux is also another raven that talks 
But this one is uh, dead and uh, reanimated. Right. So, Zombie not, Raven, sure, yeah. <laughs> not as not as healthy as our uh, as our Matthew. No. Uh, now he says that Lucifer lured all these ravens to the club, and then killed him, hey. killed them, all the ravens. Uh, <laughs> and now Lucifer shows up holding a dead, bloodied raven. Uh, apparently, this is all some scheme to get out from under the thumb of his father. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be God in this case. I think so, I yeah. think so. <laughs> <laughs> now he's going to do this by walking the same mortal path that he did. Uh, now Lucifer reveals that he, too, has a son. And Lucifer wants to introduce this son to his mother. But we don't really ever find out who that is. I assume that will be part of that book Probably. story, whatever it is. So Lucifer allows a clever living raven to take off, just a totally different one. Uh, there's some sort of back and forth, and he's like, you know, he makes, makes Lucifer laugh, so he lets him go. But before he can escape, some homunculus-looking bald dude grabs him and eats him whole. Mm-hmm. We never really see that guy's face. I have no idea who that is at all. He has the same word balloon as the dead raven, but I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Matthew takes off, or if it means anything, Matthew then takes <laughs> off with the undead raven, and some eyeless guy digging endless graves looks into the sky at them. Uh, I don't know what happened to that dead raven, because later Matthew heads to a city where he senses Daniel but can't find him. We see Daniel's there magically expelling raindrops, so I guess Matthew just sort of missed him. Uh, Mm. We do find out later, back in the dreaming, Matthew finds the situation has escalated. escalated. The whole place is coming apart. And Lucian tells him that he did find Daniel, but avoided him because Daniel made him forget. And somehow Matthew seems to know that. I guess that's like a thing. When you're the Lord of the Dreaming, you're a pretty powerful dude, I guess. You can just make it happen. So then Lucian reveals that Daniel's sigil is broken and on the floor. So it looks like Daniel has quit being Sandman. Mm -hmm. What will happen next, folks? So, uh, yeah, if you listen to that and you were like, what... What are you talking about, sir? <laughs> Sirs, have you lost leave of your senses? Uh, it's because you didn't read any of those other books, and that's fine. And that's why this was virtually impenetrable, I think, to those that aren't. Sure. I wouldn't even say a little bit familiar, because I think you have to be pretty familiar with all this stuff. All these, There's a huge world here, and they're referencing a lot of it. Uh, Certainly. And without Certainly. backstory. Now, Chris, you... Have not read all of the Sandman series. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. No, no, I, I've I'm I've read some, not much. So I'm in that same boat you just right. mentioned here. I, I I never read Lucifer. I uh, I read uh, a little bit of Books of Magic, but that that really that really was something different than Sandman back then. It was, you yeah. know, it was just something. It was its own thing. Yeah. And then uh, I read uh, bits and blurbs of. The Sandman series, but most of it was when it was still DC. You know, he hadn't gone Vertigo yet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this this was uh, this was tough. Um, yeah, it was you know it was gorgeous. Uh, a lot yes. of a lot of the art was fantastic. Um, I, I, I the, the one thing I liked about the art is that it hmm. was all these different artists, but it was the the it wasn't it, jarring. It wasn't jarring, and it's not yeah. it's not. I don't know if they're trying to achieve a house style, but there definitely was a stylistic sense that was. Consistent throughout the whole thing, and I, I like that a lot. And like some of these pages yeah. were very lavish, very nice. Oh sure, yeah, very, very, very nice for a jam book. You know, where you usually it's like you go from like a, a manga style to a, <laughs> to a heavy realistic style yeah. to like stick figures. You, you, know, got, you got one A artist, two B artists, and yeah. three three D and E artists. You know, that there you go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this was all for for a jam book. It was it flowed so sure. so very well, um, but. 
the stories were a little bit, you know, impenetrable. I, I think, uh, I, and I'm not a guy who wants, who wants like a big expositional bit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm also big on continuity. So, you know, give me a little bit, you yeah. know, if you have a number one on the cover of a book, especially from a series that's been gone for 20 years now, I mean, we had the Overture miniseries a couple of years ago. But, yeah, uh, but that, that was even more, if you, you know, that's not the place to start either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That was even more of like a, a precious, you know, Sandman fans book and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all that in the way it could have been told. And that, that's why I was very curious to know your point of view, because I wanted sure. to know if at least was enticing to a new reader. I wonder if... Uh, new, uh, how many people that have never read Sam and are going to try this book? And no I, doubt it. The, yeah, like, <laughs> but there, you know, there was something like, like I was intrigued. The new thing for me, for example, was the character Dora. I found yes. her, I found her very interesting. I was like, I, def, I definitely want to see what she's about. Why does she have this ability? Why is she so? You know, there was a lot of questions and uh, enough for me to want to know. Whereas on the other hand, Lucifer, it was like, all right, something about. He did, hey, he he's doing a ritual with ravens, I think, to get... I was just unclear what was happening, and yeah. so there wasn't enough for me to say, what's next? Like, okay, he's got a son, and got to meet his mother, but it, that was just things he was saying, you understand? You know what I mean? There wasn't yeah. enough there for me to be like, that is awesome. Like, what, like if we found out his son was like... A, a tentacle monster. You know what I mean? Like that. I'd be like, "Oh, that's crazy." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, there I was just, no hook. I just yeah. don't. Know, I don't know what what it is. Like, well, okay, who's your son? Is he <laughs> is he somebody I should know? Is this interesting? You know, is it Superman? I don't know. So, um, yeah, the, no, I, that that was a problem. Yeah, the uh, the Dora bits were were cool because because uh, she's like almost she's like an altruist in a way, but and she's also kind of going against what. You know, she's supposed to be doing as an endless. If yes. she is, in fact, part of the endless, or some her, some sort of a dreaming car. Yeah, she's in there. Yeah, yeah, an entity of some sort. But like her whole thing was like she didn't want to wake this woman up because she had throat cancer and she wanted her to be able to eat the pancakes. Right. You know, because that was what her dream was. So it's like it's altruistic and but still going against what she's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a neat little uh, neat little gimmick, and definitely look forward to reading more about her. Um, and then the uh, the books of magic stuff was interesting. That was the Timothy cool Hunter too. stuff yep. was cool. Um, the rest of it, I, I could I could give or take. Uh, the the alligator king or whatever, he, eh, you know what yeah. it, it is, what it is, and and Lucifer. That was just that was so the, many words saying nothing. The alligator king and his ruly one was the most flat, and the yeah. Lucifer was the most impenetrable. Uh, yeah, that would be able to. But the other two stories were good, and the framing thing was fine. As yeah, a matter of fact, I thought that did a pretty good job of explaining what the dreaming is to someone that might not know that it's a realm that's magical. You know what I mean? Like this is, you oh, know, yeah. we're, we're just trying to give you the, uh, you know, the the hit points here, and I think that was was uh, well done. And oh, oh, and I'm sure for folks who are really into the Sandman mythos to see the endless, see the the you know the dreaming, and you have Cain and Abel there. I, yeah. I, I bet that tickled so many longtime oh, fans. It that must me, have just been great. It got me jazzed to the absolutely. End, even seeing Lucy and all those guys, I was sure. like, oh, this is like my my buddies coming back. And, and like uh, the, the the big Sandman gas mask looking thing that was in the frame. I mean that right. that, that that you know that popped me, and and, I, and I'm just a tangential reader of but you, it. But you know. That's like his symbol, you know. Yeah, yeah that's his yeah. Like, his sigil, his mask. And that, when that was broken, that was obviously symbolic for, he's, for he's the quit future. The, yeah. Quit the thing. I liked also the the use of the characters, the alligator king and uh, Azruli, because that is a Sandman trapping that like 
demigods and spirits. We take from lore, from real. yeah. It's all from real lore. All mythology is actually real. So that felt, even though I didn't know that particular mythology, I did have to look that up. It felt comfortable. It felt like something that would happen in a Sandman book. So absolutely, even though, like I said, that story was flat. It, I did. I didn't. I really neither liked nor disliked it. I was like, uh, okay, and especially yeah, that, can't that's, get mad at it. that yeah. scene with the sisters. I was like, okay, I, will, are these? <laughs> do I have to remember them? Like, if if I do, <laughs> do then that's cool. The memory, yes. Are we gonna follow them? I, I I don't know if we'll ever see them again. But you know, I guess that's that's what we'll find out. Now, I am a Sandman fan. I've read. Uh, all of Sandman. Uh, only thing I actually haven't read all of, and I am now just getting through his books of magic. But I read High Price of Dying and all the other, you know, the uh, uh, sure Lucifer. So this was truly like a homecoming for me. I mean, there was so many little uh, nuts and nuggets, and even in the Lucifer story, that was impenetrable to see him and the way he talks and like the pompous, crappy way. Even the lettering, it just really did bring me back to that character. So. I was happy as a pig and shit with this one, frankly, Chris. <laughs> uh, also, the strong visuals. You know, one thing about the Sandman yeah. series, anyone will tell you, is that it's, a, uh, it's well, I don't know if everyone will tell you it's a really well-written series, but they will all tell you that it's a really uneven artistic series. It's, it went through a few artists over time. As it got more popular, it seemed to accrue better artists. Funny how that yeah. happens, right, Chris? <laughs> uh, so it doesn't have a consistent look. If this is going to be the look of the new Sandman stuff, Boy, it's going to be looking good. Quick retreat, yeah. Um, so I ended up giving it a, a 9 out of 10, but with a big caveat I wrote all throughout my review and even in the blurb, that's for Sandman fans. Sure. Uh, if, and uh, what, 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 what did you tell me where you would come in as a, uh, not as a red, well-read Sandman guy? I would, I'd come in... Uh... I'd come in between a 7.5 and an 8, uh, leaning more towards 8, because uh, I really think that if you're launching a new universe, uh, even if it is a love letter to the fans, I mean, the the big thing is gatekeepers. Everybody's talking about gatekeepers, and and this is something that is really keeping a lot of people out because there's just so much prerequisite reading to, uh, to to fully embrace it. I mean, there's what, a... There's ten trades of Sandman. Oh, there's God, like yeah. two different series of Lucifer. Yeah, it's there's just two so much of Lucifer, and I mean then yeah. like the spinoffs. You you could this is a lot of reading to do if you want to get it all in there. Absolutely. So absolutely. it's definitely a tough nut to crack. It just maybe could have been crafted. You know, it's pretty well crafted as it is. I could have maybe sure. been crafted a little better for the new reader. Uh, Even throw a text page in the front, and I usually hate text pages, but if you give us a text page just saying, okay, this is where we started, Well, here's, go. A, here's a case where you could make it look like, uh, you know, the beginning of a fairy tale, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Like a, in a, Once upon a time. In a that, long yeah. ago and far away, yeah. da, 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 but, uh, you know, this is this is a tough one. Like I say, it's 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 a lot of books to read. Very and, lory. And it's yeah. definitely one of these things where, you know, when you love something too much, you don't know how to stop talking about it. Like, it's it's tough to know where to make the cuts. In in the story sure. to be like to make it concise because you want you want, you eventually want to say the whole thing. Uh, yeah, definitely sure. strongly recommend anyone out there, especially if you're interested in like the basically non superhero comics. Uh, you know, mythology. Give it a look. It's a it's a good summer read. You know, to to mm-hmm. to peel through those trades uh, and they do get even better as they go along. And uh, but that is for you and your wallet to decide if you want to do that. Uh, but I, I gotta say that I think I, I was thinking, and it's impossible to do. I would probably be somewhere around, like you say, seven point five, because for a 
trying to look at it as a new reader that I'm not. Sure. <laughs> but 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 if I just opened it up, not no, I'd be like, damn, this thing looks good. And I would have been definitely pulled in by some of the concepts and turned off by others. So it, it's it, what a five or a six dollar book. That might be the big issue, but it is oversized and sure. Uh, I think it is a six dollar book though. Yeah, that's too yeah. bad. <laughs> so uh, we don't have anything next week for the Sandman Universe. No, we, we do. don't. <laughs> we do have a book coming up. Uh, that one is going to be House of Whispers, and that comes out. Just about a month from now, on September the 12th. Yep. And that will be when we are totally done with Young Animal. I think by then we'll also have wrapped up our post-mortem. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah uh, I'm sure. we will begin a brand new segment on the Weird Science DCComics.com podcast. But because until Doom Patrol 12 comes out. Until Doom Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to say that, Chris? We can't forget. We almost yeah. got away. We almost got away with it. I feel like if we forget, it's just going to evaporate. Oh. So it's it's kind of like when you when you you don't you don't think about planes flying or else they're going to start falling. If yeah. you don't think about Doom Patrol, it's going to go away. Right. It's the never-ending story. You know, it's it's being it's like a tulpa being created by our by our collective thought. Uh, I mean, I gotta, I got to be honest. Like I said, Chris. I'm not even putting that on my radar, you know. If it plops in my in my on my desk, <laughs> I'll deal with it. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> take it as it comes. Take or it, it as it doesn't come. As in, in that case, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what artist they put on it. I don't think that makes things any speedier. But uh, yeah. some, no. you know, a certain gentleman still has to script the damn thing. But uh, <laughs> anyway, and I did see a nice picture of him today holding a. Uh, a different indie comic, so he's out there promoting the comic, <laughs> doing, doing his thing. Bless his heart. <laughs> anyway, uh, we did, you know, doing two books here plus an oversized. We had a little longer than usual. You got anything else for him this week, Chris? I think that'll do it. Till next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Be up. <laughs> First episode of the Sandman Universe on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have the first, well, really the second comic, but the first, the first regular, ongoing. Right. Yeah. The first of the ongoings to read for you today. It's uh, The Dreaming Number One by Simon Spurrier, Bilquis Evely, and Matt Lopez. Uh, so we'll just go right into it. This one picks up pretty much directly from the Sandman Universe number one that came out a couple of weeks ago. Starts Lucy and uh, the librarian is sitting on the steps of just, you know, random winding steps out there in space. He's holding Dream's helmet sigil. 
Yeah, delivering a speech to no one in particular about loss and while doing it loses his train of thought partway through. That is unusual for him. He's usually got a uh, steel trap of a memory. In the greater realm of the dreaming, the crack that we saw in the Sandman universe number one is getting worse, and now all these featureless beings are coming through a fissure. Mervyn, the pumpkin-headed janitor, is doing his best to round them up. Now Matthew flies over to chat with Lucian, still sitting on those weird winding M.C. Escher steps or whatever, uh, yeah. scolds him for not seeking Daniel. Lucian says there's something bump burning beyond the gates of the dreaming. Even Dream's helm cannot see it clearly. Elsewhere in the dreaming, Dora, that's the feather-eared girl, wakes up, or lady, wakes up and uh, steps outside of her home, which is this thick, gnarled tree with very few leaves on it. And uh, where the leaves should be are, like, hovering fish. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, just kind of wispy. This kind of reminds me of, if you ever see the movie uh, Reanimator, uh, there's, like, these wispy beings from other dimensions that can be seen by extending your pineal gland. Very recommended movie. Anyway, uh, back to the book comic. Uh, <laughs> she greets Ziggy, which is one of those featureless beings that have been coming through the dreaming. Dora named him and also dressed him up in a tri-corner hat and some pirate's clothing. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, looking up at her tree home, Dora sees a broken teapot in the branches. And then there's some narration by Lucian explaining that Dora is the only one in the dreaming who sleeps, though she never dreams. And she's also... The only one with a gift waiting for her every time she wakes up. Hell of a gift. Yeah, broken teapot. Yeah. Thank you for nothing. <laughs> one of her treasures. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Dora is actually quite touched by these gifts. Uh, you know, we have, for example, we have like a hairless Barbie doll, uh, a book with the final chapter missing, <laughs> and a lullaby sung in the wrong key. Um, now, it, it also uh, makes her angry that she can never find out who's leaving them, so there's a thing, too. Mm. Uh, she brushes off these feelings and heads off with Ziggy uh, for her daily scams and some food. Uh, she walks past Dream's palace, and Ziggy points. Dora says that they're not going to be stealing food from there. Uh, they'll always want something in return, and she's also quite pissed off at Dream, if, uh, if you remember that yeah. from uh, the open there. Uh, instead, Dora uses her unique power to head into people's dreams and steal some Dream food. Uh, all the while, Ziggy is playing a distraction. He's, uh, he's facilitating her passage and uh, thievery. Yeah, I mean, you think he'd actually be, be really freaking people out, too, but he is, he's just sort of playing roles in people's dreams. Uh, yeah, he's just well, like a featureless he, mannequin thing. And people, yeah. and the, the dreamers, he, he, he's, he's conducting an orchestra here, he's yep. consoling a woman <laughs> who's crying, like, they're not, they're not freaked out by him, he's just nope. sort of, like, in their, <laughs> in their world. Uh, so, yeah, Mervyn sends Matthew to do something about this. Matthew can also travel in between dreams. He's one of the rare beings that can do that. Uh, he, uh, he heads into a dream, finds Dora, and she uses her beast mode to forcefully throw Ziggy right at Matthew, which I thought was pretty pretty crazy. Kind of does the old slingshot, right? What is that, the old... The, uh, the fastball special. The fastball special. There you go. <laughs> uh, while they're recovering from that, she steps through a portal with a sack full of food and junk and whatever she took and just splits, leaving Ziggy and uh, Matthew, of course, in that, in that dream. So Matthew contacts Lucian through the helm and asks where she went, but Lucian says he can't even track her anymore. She's gone outside of the realm into the gray hinterlands. Uh, Mervyn's pissed off since he's the one that has to clean up all these messes. Uh, and hearing about Ziggy from Matthew, Mervyn doesn't trust these cellophane skin beings pouring, in, pouring into the dreaming. He tells Lucy and he's got to call the boss home, get him back or find him or do something about this. 
Yes, but then we jump into the Grey Hinterlands, where Dora has just finished having sex with Balam, the Duke of Hell. Uh, and it's funny, because like we, we first see him just like, he's like this big, yeah. <laughs> hulking brute on the riding a bear with like a dragon's tail, and we think that she's in trouble. Next time we see her, she's mounting him, so, yeah, she's, or finishing up. She's <laughs> wrapping up, yeah, but yeah. She's dismounting at that point. Now, uh, Balam, are we saying Balam, we're thinking? Sure. Balam, sure, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the demon fella, he is smitten with Dora, and she does not feel the same way. Uh, this, for her, is just a you know a bargaining chip. Uh, Balam bemoans the fact that he cannot pass into the realm of the dreaming uninvited, thanks to some special wards and spells. Uh, she gives Balam a bunch of junk she stole from various dreams, and uh, Balam gives her a magical apple. This is a very rare apple, which was nurtured by the gods, and used to torture a starving soul in hell. She eats it in one bite. She like turns into like a like a monster. Her mouth yeah. just like grows. Just, just like brown. She's like it's, what? It, <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. Uh, yeah. Now, she drops uh, the, a little bit of the apple on her side on her side of the portal to the dreaming because they're standing in between the portal here. Mm. And uh, Balam he stoops down to pick it up, noticing that in so doing he can actually penetrate that realm without any problem. Hmm. Dora does sort of invite him earlier, if you remember. It's she, true. It's she kind of says, "Feel free to come over any time." So I wonder if that mm-hmm. is what is what caused it. We don't really find out yet. But uh, so Balam goes storming into the dreaming on his bear, dispatching the paltry guards along the way. He even appears to injure the wyvern pretty badly. Oh yeah, like right through its back. Really? Yeah, it has it yeah. on the back, and this really seems to be. I think that's gonna. You know, he's gonna be recuperating, if not. You know. Uh, passing on from this realm yes. or whatever But uh, Balam is really He's ready to pillage this realm and bellows about it Dora's watching it unfold from a nearby cliff And she's like oopsie uh, Then Dream himself Steps into the picture Balam looks really sheepish the second Dream shows up His head actually turns to a goat's head Which is funny And then uh, he he leaves instantly Like He's not messing with Dream That's it there's no no question about it uh, Dream asked Dora why she would do this to the Dreaming, and he, after he gave her a home and whatever else, all that abilities and whatever the heck else. But she's still mad because he broke his promise to be her BFF or something. She mentioned it last issue. He yeah. said, like, you don't need to be afraid. I promise. And it turns out that life happens, and sometimes we actually do get afraid. So now she's all pissy about it. Uh, she says Dream Sanctuary is the toy box of a spoiled brat, which is a pretty interesting take on it, and I think we're going to you know, deal with the repercussions of that kind of line of thinking down the line. Meanwhile, Mervyn's rounded up a bunch of these featureless beings into a corral, and also Ziggy has been herded into there. I guess he collected them from the dream that Dora left him in. Uh, he's still dressed like a pirate, and now he has eyeballs and some pink schmutz on his face. Hmm. Seems to be turning human, if you ask me, or into some... Uh, being. He's transforming, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dream lets Mervin, tells Mervin to teach this rabble and give them tasks. And back in the palace, we see that Dream was actually Lucian wearing the helmet all along. And Matthew was kind of in on the gag. He knew that this was happening. And that's when Lucian seems to intimate, I wasn't positive, but it seems to say it might be time for a new Lord of the Dreaming. He says that the room where the sigils are kept is not just a place to communicate it's also a birthplace yes so that was kind of what i took out of that and as i don't know if if people read sandman that's what how sandman ends is that one dream retires and hands it over to daniel the new the white dream and this could be time for a new dream so 
Uh, that wraps up the issue. Have, God bless him. No backups. Uh, <laughs> what you, would you think of that, Chris? It's funny. Um, I, I really thought this was great. Uh, we, uh, when we talked about the first, the one shot a few weeks ago, um, I thought about like actually like you know bullet training through Sandman, you know, because right. I, I, I I'm familiar with some of the you know the conceits and concepts of Sandman, but not so I'm not fluent in it. Right. So I really couldn't tell you where I, I know how it ends. I know how it starts, but that's really it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was gonna like just bullet through it, read the whole thing, or at least read the Wikipedia page on it to catch myself up. <laughs> Something, yeah. I mean, I actually pulled them out of the long box, but I didn't get to it because I decided against reading it. Uh, I've been, I, as you know, uh, and as some of the folks listening might know, uh, we're, we're kind of like repurposing the old young animal bits. Right. Uh, they're, you know, they're being put up somewhere else on their own, and in listening to them and re-editing them and cutting them up. One question we asked ourselves a lot during like the first two or three months of those shows is, I wonder how this like these books would go to a brand new reader. Yeah, uh, you know, because we we're we're all in on Doom Patrol, and uh, we wondered how a new reader would take to this series of Doom Patrol without all the inside baseball, right? Without, all, all the all the winks and the nods and stuff. Exactly. That we liked. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And so I decided. I'll be that guy for the Sandman. As much as possible. I think that's great. I think it's a great thing. Uh, you know, obviously, as we keep reading this, you will become more and more of a Sandman Oh, yeah, expert, it'll become but, versed, sure. But that, but that's, I, if it, especially if it's if it's done correctly, you should become pretty knowledgeable. Exactly. exactly. Uh, so I thought that would be a, an interesting thing to have someone like you who's, you know, you're, you're in on this. You can name most of it chapter and verse. And me, who is kind of on the fringes of the Sandman universe, quote, unquote. Yeah. And, uh... Just see what we both get out of it, and uh, that's cool. And and even without having all the knowledge, I thought this was fantastic. Nice. So yeah. you found it understandable, like it wasn't certainly, certainly. I mean, the, the, everything that I didn't know about, I'm I'm almost giving them the benefit of the doubt that it will be explained. Yeah. Because it just seems like that's the way this story is being crafted. We're we're given we're given breadcrumbs that are serving as breadcrumbs for the new people and as kind of Easter eggy breadcrumbs for the folks who, who came right in from Sandman, you know? Mm. So I think that they're doing this in probably the best way possible for both old and new, because uh, you don't need to know about it to follow it. And if you do know about it, you get even more, which, which pays off loyalty and also doesn't, doesn't dismiss the new reader. Yeah, so I think no, it's that, really well done. That's definitely, I mean, from my point of view, from someone that has read the Sandman, as I said, even before we got on, this reads like you could. This could be the next issue of you know Sandman seventy six. Exactly yeah. where, where it ended. It just this could be Sandman seventy six, and you, you really wouldn't. I think really miss a beat. Uh, visually, it's it seems correct, and you know uh, just the way it, it reads yeah. tonally exactly. Uh, another thing I got to say for this, which I, you couldn't say for all the young animal books, can't say for a lot of comic books today. A lot of those for a book that's about a, an ethereal dream world of an ever-shifting landscape where anything mm -hmm. is possible a lot of the nuts and bolts are there they name all the characters you know what i mean they yeah. tell you oh yeah you, you know what they do you know where you are even you know where when you're you are in a weird dream <laughs> landscape you know what i mean like it's true. It's true. It, it, you know what i mean all these little tidbits that really should be wrote and really it pleased me and, and i thought about that i i'm always thinking about how does someone you know 
cold? How would someone come yep. into this cold? How would they feel? And I was like, well, they're not. They're going to understand that the gray hinterlands are an area outside of the dreaming. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. all yeah. you need yeah. to know for this story. Uh, I loved it. You know what I mean? This is mm-hmm. this was great as a Sandman fan. I found it totally engrossing. I love the new character. I like this development in the dreaming. I just want to read the next issue. That's all I can say about it. What do you think you Absolutely. might have given it if you were pressed? Chris, to give this a score, I'd, I'd go pretty high. I mean, this is a this is, I don't want to say it's the perfect first issue, but it's damn close. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it, like you said, it, it names everybody. It tells you where you are. The nuts and bolts are there. You're excited about what's to come. You're you're let in a little bit on the lore and the mythology, just enough to like whet your appetite and want more. I'd uh, and, and and I mean this this is weird coming from us being so positive about a book. <laughs> uh, I almost feel like we're like pranking ourselves here, but. Uh, yeah. I'd I'd probably go uh, eight five or nine. Wow, yeah, I yeah. gave it I gave it a nine on the site, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the, I did I have eaten my nines before or whatever. Remember I gave that Duke <laughs> Patrol three or whatever a ten and a ten. I love that issue, but boy that that let me down that series. So we you know we could be. Uh, Sorry to have, to have given this. We're just we're fattening up that crow to eat. Yeah. You know, you know, for both for both of us, there's no like, you know, we don't break out the slide rule to do these scores. So it, it really is not. a matter of feeling. And after it, I was really just like trying to criticize and criticize. I was like, I just love this this issue. I just had a great time. Yeah. And uh, I want I want more of it. And that's the best you can expect from any comic book. So absolutely, that is great to hear. We do have something else coming up. What do we got, Chris? Next week, we have House of Whispers, number one, which is our second of... There's four books in this line, right? Yes, so far, yeah. So that'll be our halfway through the number ones next week. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. I think there's no new ones until October, but we'll take them as they come. You know, Certainly. Not not much more we can do. Uh, But I think that's all we got for them this week, Chris. Got anything else for them? Nah, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it uh, dreamtastic. Sure. See ya. Mr. <laughs> bring me a dream. Bum, 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 bum. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Bum, 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 bum. Give him two lips like roses and clover. Bum, bum, bum. Then tell him that his lonesome nights are over. To the Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we got one Sandman Universe book coming from Vertigo Comics. Uh, it's House of Whispers number one by Nalo Hopkinson, Dominique Domo Stanton, and John Rauch or Rauch. So, just one of those. I'm not <laughs> even sure if Dominique is correct, but it's we're going to go along with it. Um, our story opens with Uncle Monday. This is that killer croc, red killer croc dude with a top hat. Uh, 
He's uh, that's the deity we met in the Sandman universe number one, and he's wading through some swamp to Mistress Azruli Dahomey's house, and she's that other Cajun deity that we met last issue. Remember, they were, the two of them were fooling around with some humans uh, in the Sandman universe number one. Uncle Monday has a net full of prawns slung over his shoulder. He brought it as an offering to Ezruli. A uh, rather priggish attendant receives Uncle Monday, uh, later on known as the Altar Boy. And uh, he's not thrilled to handle these prawns, though. She explains that, mis- that uh, Mistress Ezruli is holding a fandango for her human worshippers, meaning she's receiving them and hearing their pleas. Inside, Mistress Azruli sits on her throne, which is a giant clamshell, and she's like a rather plump mermaid with a purple tail and uh, purple bra, shell Mm. bra. Around her, revelers are partying hard, drinking, carousing, and playing music, and two acrobats spin on some cloth overhead. Uncle Monday says hello to Azruli and mentions those four girls they dealt with in the last issue. Azruli says they'll get to them soon, and so will we. Uh, Uncle Monday leaves to clean the prawns that he brought. A worshipper kneels before Azruli and asks her to make a man fall in love with her. Azruli responds that he's not a nice man, he's very jealous and violent. However, since the worshipper already performed the proper rites, she concedes. She says, They think I command love in in fate, which is in fact, it commands me. Uh, This is all happening in the worshipper's dream, hence the connection to, you know, the whole dreaming Sandman thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's, kind of was important for us to know, and that's cool that we get a little connection there. I also like this interaction uh, that... You know, she is as beholden to these rites and rituals as the people that were her followers. Yeah. yeah, this is this is kind of a two way street with them. It's not she's not uh, the lord of whatever uh, wish wishes and dreams and whatever the heck it is. <laughs> so, meanwhile, in New Orleans, in real life, uh, Latoya is babysitting her younger sisters Habibi and Lumi, and Latoya's girlfriend Maggie is also just hanging out with them. These are the four girls that we kind of met in uh, the uh, first issue in the one shot. Yeah. Right. Uh, Maggie found this weird book and brought it by for everyone to see, but Lumi says nothing in the book makes sense. As they read it, there's a, the television behind them gets all staticky and an image of a being appears on it. This being, it doesn't like the girls reading from the book, and it belongs to him. Lumi takes a moment to text a school rumor as well, which also kind of excites him. Yes. Uh, back at Azruli's house, Uncle Monday steps out onto the patio in order to clean his prawns. Azruli's attendant is there, having just murdered a chicken with her bare hands. Uncle Monday says, eh, it's a shame she killed that chicken because food tastes much better when it's alive. <laughs> food is much better eaten alive. Uh, seasoned with pain, terror, and the knowledge of its, in- of its oncoming death. That's nice. Yeah, now in order to illustrate this further, he bites the head off of a living prawn, which, uh, you know, grosses the attendant out and uh, also grosses us out a little bit. These are some big prawns, huh, Chris? You ever see them? Did they come this I big thought they in were Arizona? Lobsters. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they were lobsters. They're, yeah. they're, they're massive. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if they come this big anymore. This might be some uh, dream prawn. It seems yeah. to be. Now, uh, inside, as Ruli says, the party is still rocking. As Ruli looks into a magic mirror and sees Latoya and the girls handling that book. She recognizes it as belonging to the deity Shakpana, who's also her nephew. Uh, he releases a pandemic whenever he enters the world of mankind and exists to cull humanity periodically. And if he steps into our world to get his book back, well, it'll just be too bad for humanity. The girls decide to play a game of telephone with the book, which is a strange thing to decide to do. <laughs> um, that's, you know, whispering passages from the book into someone's ear, and they pass it along, see what 
uh, results after passes down a couple of people, you get a very silly outcome. As they play, Shaq Pana pushes through the television screen. He really likes rumors and uh, information passed along like this. And as Ruli says, she needs to deal with this errant relative, but then she puts down the mirror and calls over her attendant and seems to forget it for the moment. Yes. Uh, then a pregnant worshipper comes over to Isruli. Uh, before she hears a request, Isruli asks her to tell her some hearsay. Uh, the worshipper tells her about a woman being haunted by her dead son. Then Isruli tells her to say what she sees in the mirror. And the woman says she sees herself and her wife with a happy baby boy. Isruli sends the woman away back to bed. Well, you know, she already was in bed, but uh, you know, since this is a dream thing, but uh, right. you get the idea. Whatever, it is, you know, out, out <laughs> of that dream world into a different dream, who knows? Certainly. Uh, so back over in New Orleans, Shaq Pana has almost completely emerged from the television. He looks kind of like a steampunk scientist, right? Sort of like a guy oh, in yeah. a lab coat with weird glasses. I kind of like dig his look. Sure. Uh, he tries to take over LaToya's body, I guess, to interact with the real world, but LaToya consents him. While his ruling continues to receive people from all walks of life and hear their pleas, there's a page of, like, just different people coming, pleading to her, and you see, like, there's a guy sleeping in the street and, you know, a, people living uh, in much nicer conditions. So she's she's busy. Uh, Latoya casts out Shaq Pana. Shaq Pana? I'm, I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, it's close to being a Shaq Pana. Shaq Pana, whatever. Uh, and sends him back into the television violently and looks like it shakes up the whole room and leaves Latoya unconscious. Back in his rulies, she shows the mirror to another worshiper, but the worshiper turns it around and says, It's for you, which I know is <laughs> funny. Uh, inside the mirror, she could see Shaq Pana uh, calling out to his auntie for help. She reaches in to grab his hand, and in doing so, dislodges the houseboat that is her domain. I didn't really catch that till this point, but the whole place is a giant houseboat on a riverboat, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it slides down through that, a crack in the dreaming that we know about from reading the dreaming, and lands right near the house of mystery and the house of secrets, and Kane looks out the window and says, there goes the neighborhood, and I see, he just kind of <laughs> wonders about it. So, um, we leave it there. Um, what'd you think, Chris? Um, you know, it wasn't as bad this time going through it. I, and not that it was bad to begin with. Um, mm. it just didn't really grab me like the last issue did. Yeah. Um, this is perfectly good stuff here. Uh, just really didn't pull me in like the dreaming did, but, uh, going through it a second time now, it's, uh, I, I'm finding it staying with me a bit more. Uh, um, I, it's, I don't know. It, it's hard to, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this being an ongoing. Yeah. Um, but uh, but for what it is, it's not half bad. I mean, we'll, we'll see what form this takes as an ongoing. Matter sure. of fact, matter of fact, I can't even say positively that it's even planned to be. But I think I believe it also is also true. Yeah. But uh, we'll see what form it takes. We we had talked about possibly there'll be a new um, set of humans every you know sure. arc, or there'll be or a, a new god, a different, a different deity. deity. Could be a yeah. different. Could be a lot of things. You know, the House of Mystery, the House of Secrets. They're basically more anthology titles. So this could end up being that kind of a title that changes its focus uh, every arc or something. Every arc, yeah. But we will see how it really shakes out. I thought there was a lot to like about it. I really liked the character as Ruli a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. I liked the way she interacted with her worshippers and the people around her. Um, I was kind of okay. I thought Uncle Monday was good for a little bit of comic relief. Uh, didn't really have any strong feelings either way about uh, LaToya and the girls, but I do recognize them as necessary to, you know, give us something to 
a connectivity. Uh, yeah. yeah, to connect to the world, the wake, the waking world, or something like that. So they're playing that role, and so far it's fine. Uh, I like a lot of the trappings, though the mirror. Uh, hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of a lot of the weird little magic-y things are the kind of things that strike me the most. Um, and the artwork I thought was terrific, but the, the overall, just kind of a slow, not really a reach out and grab you kind of book. You know, it did, yeah. definitely didn't make you feel like, damn, I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, I'm interested to know what happens next, but a lot of that interest lies in my extant interest in... Sandman and in House of Mystery and House of Secrets. I used to love those comics and uh, sure. the the inclusion of Cain and Abel in the Sandman universe has always been cool. So uh yeah, it's it was good. I you know, I mean I said I feel like I'm bagging on it or we sound like kind of uh down about it. It definitely doesn't like doesn't bring me down this book, but it's not like a uh fist pump kind of thing, but maybe we yeah. will change and our two. I'm not sure what the what is the price on this? Uh, four or five. It's four bucks actually, which okay. I thought, which I thought was less than I thought it would be. I'll be honest. <laughs> I thought For it was sure, it'd be a yeah. five dollar book. So, um, it's still a rip off, folks. Still, it is, yeah. <laughs> any comic at four is still a rip off, but boy, they could rip you off more. So, <laughs> thank heaven for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd love to see this. I mean, three at most, I'd love to see all comics down, but you know, two dollars and below. But that's a whole. That's nothing to do with these creators no, or you know anybody uh specifically with this book to be at fault for that and uh you know i would say that this is a quality comic it's in in terms of uh how long it takes to read and you know how good the artwork is and the plotting you know it's still not worth four but <laughs> it's worth more than one so there you go <laughs> this has been a message from your grandma anyway um <laughs> Yeah, so what do you think you'd give it uh, if you were pressed, hard-pressed to give it a number? I'd probably go uh, 7.75. Yeah, I went uh, 7.5 on the site, and I had originally did start with a 7 and decided, ah, you know, I could really kick it up because, like I say, it's I I would recommend it to someone that sure. is already a fan of Sandman uh, or even just Neil Gaiman. This is a real Neil Gaiman-y feeling story, um, <laughs> not in his dialogue, but in his trappings of, like, depicting gods as schmoes, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, I would definitely not... I, I would recommend it, but I'm just not as jazzed about it as I was for the Dreaming. So uh, we will see. We did. We have changed our minds over time in the past, so... Indeed. Well, you know, we could end up hating... The dreaming and loving this book in the end, but uh, what's what's up next for us, Chris? Oh, uh, our favorite book from the Sandman universe, nothing. Oh, we got nothing uh, next week, and I believe we have nothing <laughs> for the rest of September. Until October, yeah. Yeah, but October, like I say, I've said before, I believe then we will start getting a, an issue every week. If they can hold to the schedule, we'll see. We're just too burnt out. We're, we're too burnt from that young animal experience. You know, there's no reason not to think they can't hold to a monthly schedule, right? We no I was, re- was going to joke that uh, the Dreaming will probably go on hiatus. Yeah. I would almost <laughs> because that's rather, the flagship book. I would almost <laughs> rather, they, if they could, if they did an arc and went on hiatus, I'd be like, well, at least you, you know, had a plan, for God's sake. They planned it, yeah. For we'll sure. see. Who knows? It could end up. It could be. You know, we will. You know, I would love to be eating my words and to get a full twelve issues in twelve months. It almost seems like a dream mm-hmm. of its own, Chris. But uh, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Until next time, folks. I want you to keep it dreamy. <laughs> Oh,
Sadman Universe segment on the Weird Science DCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And today we have the one comic for you, but the second issue of The Dreaming by Cy Spurrier, Bilquis Ebeli, and Matt Lopez. So in this issue, Mervyn Pumpkinhead is the dream janitor, is talking to someone. We don't see that person yet. We get panels full of pumpkin face just dead on. Uh, we will see who this person is at the end of the book, but since they want to save the reveal, we'll save the reveal till then as well. Yes. Uh, now, Just don't uh, look at the solicits for the next issue. Don't do that, and I think actually don't look <laughs> don't look at the cover. No, no, they didn't give it away in the cover. Sometimes <laughs> they, they <laughs> Oh, not this cover. Not yeah. this time, on the next one, yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, Mervyn doesn't like what's been happening around the Dreaming lately. In fact, he's so steamed about it, he's going to describe his grievances in story form. Seems that once in a while, a dreamer goes through the Mylam Cascade. Am I saying that right, Chris? Milam? Mylam? One of those, yeah. Mylanta Cascade. Uh, what we colloquially know, colloquially know as lucid dreaming. Essentially, the dreamer realizes they're dreaming while they're dreaming. And uh, at that point, you can either take control of the dream, fly around, or what have you. And that would be lucid dreaming. But other times, the dream stuff starts leaking out and threatens reality and the collective unconscious. And that's when Mervyn has to get involved. Uh, he says nine times out of ten, it's a junkie or some transcendentalist having their epiphany. Which I thought was a funny little uh, take on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been happening a lot more often lately, these uh, leaky dreams. So Mervyn and his squad have to go clean it up. Uh, the thing they're supposed to do is distract the dreamer with more non-sequiturs, more like red herrings in the dream. Uh, but that's proving increasingly difficult as time goes on. And then when Daniel is around, the dream... Uh, the guy that runs the dreaming, it's nothing for him to just wave his hand and fix these kind of things. But when he's gone, these problems, they fall to Mervyn the janitor. I like how he mentions, like, when Daniel's around, he'll just say, tra-la-la, and yeah. send him away. Because we've read some of uh, Neil Gaiman's correspondence, and that's how he ends his letters. He says, tra-la-la, with, exactly. With tra-la. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to the story. Uh, there are these blanks issuing from the fissures that we've seen all over the Dreaming in the sky and whatnot. Uh, Lucius told Mervyn to put them back, put them to work. And uh, to Mervyn's total fury, they are pretty good at the job, so he, uh, <laughs> he can't speak too poorly about them. But but he, uh, it, it really it really pisses him off, though. He's like, yes, damn it, they're, so good. Good. they're so good at it. <laughs> now, speaking of Lucius, Mervyn caught, uh, caught him stuff the cuckoo back into the uh, black chest. The cuckoo, in this case, is a nightmare creature uh, created by Dream. The black chest, when uh, things get put into the black chest, they... they 
you know, they just don't come back, yeah, back so, out. So, something damn black about it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lucian tells Mervyn that he just uh, he's just streamlining some redundancies inside the Dreaming. And that Mervyn should wait outside, uh, which really bugs him more than anything yet. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, this: his whole complaint is really that his pride is being hurt. Obviously. Yeah, he's getting slot to the side. It's the main thing is no one stopped. is giving, yeah, they're not giving him the recognition that he thinks he deserves. In fact, he remembers when he was created by the first Dream, uh, who I don't think ever had a regular name. Uh, he was plucked from a punk, pumpkin patch and given light, and that given life, and that Sandman made Mervin feel really important. Not like this guy telling him to go wait outside. So Lucian essentially tells Mervin to stop complaining, get back to work. And then speaking of work, there is one melon cascade that's really going berserk, uh, leaking wacky dream stuff everywhere. Mervin's staff can barely contain it. Uh, while things are in chaos, Dora and her faithful blank Ziggy, we met him last issue, and wears the uh, tricorner hat. They're robbing the dream of food and other stuff. So Mervyn smashes a wrecking ball into Dora to stop her. Uh, while he's got his back turned, though, the dream turns on Mervyn and fills him with spooky nonsense. I like this. He just starts, like, <laughs> talking all this, like, super banal nonsense to him. I can't even see you know what I mean. Just, uh, I don't know. What, what, what we call that, Chris? Like, uh, crystals and candles yeah. kind of this stuff. <laughs> That's how I took it anyway. Uh, you know, and he's just like, ah, get, get the heck off of me. <laughs> You know, um, so he gets mad at the blanks, though. <laughs> he calls them soggies. I also like that. Yep. <laughs> uh, for not distracting the dream well enough, which, but really, whose fault is it there, Mervin? Anyway, so uh, Dory explains that this dreamer is having a freak out on designer drugs. She can taste it. I thought that was an interesting little point. Yeah. Uh, Mervin's had just about enough out of Dora, tries to toss her out of the dream on her ear, or rather her head feather, where the ear usually would be. And then Dora turns to that hideous murder beast and tears everyone, Mer Mervyn included, apart. But don't worry, they get better. Uh, Mervyn lands in pieces near or Eve's domain uh, by her cave. She's tending to the dragon that was injured the last issue, battling that guy from hell that rode in on a bear, if you remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, she could also put Mervyn back together while the dragon recuperates. I guess it's sort of not too hard, just, you know, sl slot A into tab B kind of thing. Sure. Uh, so Mervyn complains about all the stuff we've already described in the episode, and Eve says that Dora is a symptom, not a cause of what is happening to the Dreaming. Uh, she may have been summoned in this time of crisis for reasons not yet known. Mm. Later, Mervyn happens upon Cain and Abel, who are regarding a cubist sculpture that has popped out of a hole in the ground, and they really don't know what to make of it. Uh, Mervyn seems to think that it's uh, some kind of bad story. Cain tosses Abel into the pit because that's, you know, kind of what he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it seems like this hole goes down for miles. Elsewhere, Mervyn happens upon Madame Azruli and her houseboat. Uh, this fell into the dreaming back in House of Whispers number one, if you recall. We discussed that a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, now, strange that it looks like it's right next to the palace when it seemed to land somewhere next to the House of Secrets and Mystery in that issue. Uh, but, you know, we might just be seeing it at a weird angle, or maybe the dreaming is shifting. I mean, it is an ethereal place of sorts, so right, uh, maybe yeah. it's shifting more than we can tell. Maybe it's a kind of, it's like it's like that thing from the first Legend of Zelda, you had to go north, 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 north to go to the right, yeah. to the right place. <laughs> right. Yeah, you have, to, you have to keep going in the direction you'll hit it. Anyway, so uh, Mervyn runs over to Lucian, who's on the steps of the Palace of the Dreaming, and dissolving all of Mervyn's janitorial staff. And I got to say, you know, he did this to the cuckoo. They, supposedly this is a good thing. They're sort of being returned to their dream essences, but it doesn't uh, 
help Mervin's immediate staffing problems, sure obviously. Oh. So uh, Lucian says they're they're redundant now that Blanks are doing such a good job, and Mervin is absolutely despondent at this point. He crumbles onto the steps, and we are seeing a really sad pumpkin head here, like mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. curled up almost in a fetal position. And then almost as quickly, uh, Lucian appears to have forgotten why Mervin's there in the first place. He just sort of like snaps out of a reverie. So... Something's, we've seen this before, that he's having memory problems or some kind yeah. of reality problems. So, yeah, I, I'm getting the feeling he's being possessed. Possibly Perhaps. something like this. Yeah. Uh, I think Because it seems like there's... There might be something trying to get in there, yeah. Some to, and, and, and they're forcing him to junk a lot of the dreaming stuff, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But we'll see. So Mervyn decides to spy on Dora, still returning to her treehouse with Ziggy. And, of course, their sacks full of stolen dream loot. Uh, he plants a whacker with a big wrench, which I didn't <laughs> notice at first, but when I reread, I thought that was funny. He's just got like a wrench behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then he hears Matthew the Raven address her from a tree branch, and he wants a favor from her, considering Dora can jump from dream to dream and all that. He says that Mervyn's staff was dissolved as a show of good faith, and they need her to go find Daniel. Dora turns into the beast, grabs Matthew rough, roughly, and essentially says, she ain't gonna do it, but now... Mervyn knows that Daniel has left the Dreaming, plus, you know, he's, they used his staff as, like, a uh, bartering chip, so no cavalry is coming to save the day. Mm. Now, that's why he is turned to someone else in order to keep things in line. And the person he spoke, he turned to is Judge Gallows. Mm. Now, that's our big reveal. Quentin Gallows <laughs> is a character who first revealed in Have You the Nerve to Face the Unexpected number thir 113. <laughs> cover dated July that title. It's an awesome title. <laughs> That's cover dated July 1969. He appeared in the story Tunnel of Fear by Dave Wood and Kurt Swan. Now, he was a judge who, after retirement, presided over court in his basement, where he heard cases of the paranormal and the supernatural. So most of the people in attendance were ghosts, and uh, you know, that a few others could say. Yeah. Uh, he'd caused uh, people to think he'd gone crazy, or or had he? Uh, well, maybe. Probably. probably. Yeah, yeah. Most likely. Most likely. <laughs> uh, he'd eventually be folded into the Dreaming when he kidnapped Abel for jury duty. Then Gallows condemned Cain for killing him, sentencing Cain to walk the mortal world. Dream worked it all out in the end, and uh, presumably got rid of Judge Gallows. And yet, here we are. He's been resurrected mm -hmm. or called or something. And uh, he's going to run the Dreaming or something. Some sort of a conflict's about to happen. So uh, I thought that was cool. I get the impression Dora yeah. is going to get the helm eventually, but we will Yeah, because Cain and Abel were saying, like, we don't know anything. We don't know exactly about her yet. Yeah. And, uh, and they were cut off before they could finish their thought. And her so, power yeah. set. And yeah. the fact that she's so different, like, they, you know, like that was sort of the first time the first Dream handed it off to Daniel. Was that the first? He he wanted someone that knew what it was to be human. Yeah. Uh, and maybe now this is a new thing. They want someone that's a hard ass. I don't know. That's always hungry. I have no <laughs> idea. So um, that was cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely liked a lot of this. Definitely think Mervyn is an awesome character. Certainly. Uh, if that, if anyone was gonna you know narrate an issue, he's probably the top one that I would pick. But it definitely did not have the pizzazz of the. First one, for one thing, I, I definitely could see the formula showing yeah. here. You know what I mean? A little the seams are clearly. showing a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, what did you think of it as you went through it? 
Uh, wasn't, uh, like you said, uh, didn't have as much oomph as the first issue, but, you know, second issues rarely do. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel, I, it's like, a, it was weird. I kind of felt lost because I didn't know who this judge was. Right. Um, so I didn't really get the, I didn't get the oomph. Right, that, the reveal. That, that reveal is meaningless. You're right, yeah. For it that, is, for that yeah. Thing, yep. But, you know, like we said last time, for someone who is familiar with uh, the Dreaming and with Sandman uh, back in the 90s, this was probably, you know, a big aha moment for them. Even then, um, so I, I can't, mean, it wasn't I can't even hold that it big for me. You know, I mean? it, was like, it was like, oh, yeah, I remember him. That was it, really. <laughs> My main takeaway, though, was that there was a whole lot of words in this that didn't get didn't get as far as the amount of words should have gotten it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's not so much that we're spinning wheels, but it's it's kind of like we're treading water, even though those things could mean the same thing. Uh, <laughs> and it's only the second issue, so uh, I'm not going to, I'm not too mad at it, because yeah. we're still laying foundation here, and uh, we do need to build a mystery before we can solve it. And, and we, so. do, we, we do get things where Lucian is, you know, ditching parts of the dreaming, you know, things, yeah. things are moving forward. The, the fact that they went to ask Dora that there's that relationship is kind of a new development between Matthew and the, you know, the palace of the dream and Dora. It's more than just, she's kind of living in the outskirts that they're like trying to like employ her, you know? So, yeah. uh, there, there's some stuff, but you're right. They didn't, I think a lot of it was given over to just indulging in Mervin, which I think so. It's not a horrible thing, but I could have used a little less of it, or maybe could have been applied a little bit differently. Uh, hmm. Although I tell you that scene where he's on the steps of the of the dreaming after his staff, like he really looks like his heart has been broken. I was like, sure. I was like, I didn't. I don't know how you get so much uh, expression no, out of a jacko lantern, but yeah. and the art, the yeah, art the art is... continues to just to just be astounding. This Bilquis Evely is no joke, and Matt Lopez too, no. of course. The coloring sure. is doing a lot of work here, so. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, uh, I just didn't think it had the, you know, exact same whirlwind as as the first one did, where it got me super excited. I ended up giving yeah. this a seven point five out of ten, but I remember it was between a seven and a seven. I just went positive. What, what do you think you'd be with this? It's uh, that's right, right about where I would be. It, uh, I, it's funny because when I when I read this, I had to run over to your review because uh-huh. I, I was I was expecting like nine, like, oh, nine point yeah, five. I was expecting like a nine or something, and I'm thinking this is this is sevenish yeah. to me, and uh, I didn't want us to part just yet. Uh, but when I see that you're at a seven five, I could definitely do seven five, um, and I, I think that's uh, it's telling that our numbers have been have been even for both issues when you're a veteran of this and I'm coming in cold. I think, that, I think so that's, a, that's, that's a positive thing, to be honest with absolutely, you, yeah, that, that we're not diverging, that this isn't just fan service. Like I say, Judge Gallows, absolutely. I was like, oh yeah, like he, there was a, a, I don't remember if it was six issues, it might have just been like two or three issues that he was involved in and Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all he part did of. Show up. He did show up, and like yeah. I, I kind of, and I, I did, I did a lot to do research to jog my memory, and I was like, oh yes, I remember this, this uh, storyline. It was pretty cool, and it was all part of like this, this constant cleanup of the dream. Actually, and dreaming. Now that I think about it, there was like uh, Sandman had a lot of loose ends he had to tie up, and that was one of them was Judge Gallows. But uh, it wasn't as big a reveal as it could have been some other characters from sure. the original one. So. Maybe if it had been those characters, I might have been like, "Wow, you know, like, oh, this is that was sick," but it wasn't. So we kind of left us in the same, <laughs> in sort of the same location. So that's not a horrible place to be. And I'll tell you, though, no. seven, seven, seven point five. That is still a pretty well recommended book, folks. So uh, I would say go out and buy with confidence. Again, 
quality-wise, you're going to get a great book to look at that will take you time to read. And uh, that is more than we could say for some other books coming out. Most books, yeah. Now, what do we, we got a uh, book for them next week. What do we got here? We got House of Whispers, number two. All right, we're going to find out what's going on with Madame Ezruli and uh, mm-hmm. uh, her boat in the Dreaming and what that's all about. So we'll see where it's located, too, now, I guess, uh, <laughs> in that one. So uh, looking forward to that. Also, I'm just going to kind of drop this out there, even though I kind of told myself I wouldn't, but uh, cutoff dates have come for that Do Patrol 12, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> While that does not mean anything, I'm not promising that it doesn't mean that there are people in the world that have faith in it still, so they we may see I, this. Before. I pre-ordered it last week. Yeah, it, it, it was with my November pre-order, which is a little telling. But yeah. uh, especially when we hear it's going to be in October. But I did pre-order it for, I think, like the fifth or sixth time right now. So yeah, <laughs> you should get the seventh free. I think, right? Come on, after so many pre-orders, almost, it's like it's like a punch card I need, you know, for Doom Patrol. <laughs> You're a, fr- a frequent pre-orderer, right? Yeah, you uh, you know, the customer base. I, and again, I really, I almost didn't want to even talk about it. But yeah, if it if it comes, we will talk about it. If we will not, talk about. There's it. nothing to talk about. So <laughs> if and when that doesn't happen, we will deal with it. But uh, absolutely, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it dreamy. See ya. Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And today we have House of Whispers number two by Nalo Hopkinson, Dominique Domo Stanton, and John Rauch. Or Rauch, perhaps. One of, one of those. One of those two. So, uh, picking up from the first issue, after Ezruli's houseboat crashed into the Dreaming, it's now time to assess the damage. It looks like only Uncle Monday is there on hand to help everyone else has cleared out or they didn't make it all cross into the Dreaming. Uh, it's a good thing that he's there, though, because he can move a lot of furniture by himself, even with his really sitting on it. Like, she's sitting... It's true. <laughs> she's sitting on the edge of a table, and he's picking it up, like, the difficult way, you know what I mean? Like, the long way. Uh, as really freaking out, she can't sense any of her followers, and her magic mirror is broken. No matter, though, she figures she'll just stroll into the French Quarter of New Orleans and get her followers to reboot that connection. Uh, Unfortunately, the usual doors don't lead there anymore. 
Her new neighbors, Cain and Abel, come calling along with their gargoyles, and they're also kind of freaking out at Madame Azruli's entrance, although they don't like when anything's out of sorts. That's kind of their kind of uh, obsessive-compulsive that way. Uh, onlookers say that Lord Daniel isn't going to like this, but it's not like she had a choice, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, she kind of, <laughs> gravity seemed to do a lot of the work here. Uh, Azruli notes that Uncle Monday must need to get back to his home as badly as she does, but I like this little scene. He's all right for the moment. Some crocodiles came through that crack in the dreaming, and they created a little swamp, so uh, he feels like he's home. He feels good. He, as long as he can hang out with some crocodiles, he's happy. Uh, and they decide to sail the boat right out of the dreaming. Mm-hmm. We jump over to the real world at a hospital where uh, Maggie and Latoya's family are there. We see that Latoya is in a coma, probably after those bizarre happenings with Shakapana that happened last issue. Over at the house of Dahomey, Azruli's followers are lying on the floor unconscious, and they begin to wake up. Now, these are the folks who were partying on the houseboat last issue, and they were unceremoniously cut off when the boat slipped into the dreaming. They decide to perform the ritual in order to contact Azruli right away. Instead, they are contacted by her three husbands, and those husbands are like a beefy tribal dude with a hammer, a fella in a Napoleon costume, and... A gigantic two-headed snake, which uh, is interesting. So I guess she doesn't really have a type, if you really no, think no, she, <laughs> she likes it. She's like all kinds of guys. <laughs> she's, uh, she's up for anything. Uh, and these, these uh, three husbands uh, possess the bodies of three of her followers, and they want to know where their wifey is. Yeah, you know, I really did like this aspect of, you know, the, the people partying on Ezruli's boat in the last issue. I, I would have just taken them as, you know, ethereal imps or... Yeah, you know, vestiges of whatever, but they are actual real people that you know made a concerted effort to hang out with her, and I just that the idea of that I liked uh, that these are like people that can be counted. You know what I mean? They can, they, yes. are, they exist. So now back in the dreaming, as Ruli and the company set out to escape, and despite Abel saying it will kill them, uh, as Ruli says she'll die if she stays anyway. She's starving for worship. Uncle Monday's able to talk to one of the gargoyles. It's implied that he's a cousin of the crocodile, which is some interesting information. The boat shoves off towards a large fissure, and they've got the baby gargoyle Goldie with them for some reason. I don't know what that was about, but as you'll find yeah. out, it doesn't really matter in, in a little while. Uh, as they slip through the fissure, the trip becomes very rough right away. As Ruli goes horizontal, clinging to the ship's wheel, it's like the wind is just battering them. It looks like the beyond the dreaming is full of ghosts. Uh, Uncle Monday says that they're monsters made of wind and water, but they look like ghosts to us, right? That pretty mm-hmm. much they look ghostly. They sure they, do. They look actually very they're much ethereal. They, they look very much like the uh, ghosts from uh, Pac-Man or something, like ethereal, wispy, <laughs> yep, woo, you know, yep. like <laughs> classic ghosts. Uh, through the shrieking of these ghosts, as really can also hear her faithful altar boy calling from the real world, but then she's choked by a ghost. So remember that seal song? Choked by a ghost in the gray. You don't remember that? My favorite song from the Batman song. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just then, Latoya comes out of her coma, and no one can understand how it happened to her, but that's fine. You know, they're just happy to have her back. Uh, Latoya asks if they're going to bury her because she's dead. Hmm. hmm. Over at the house of Dahomey, one of the followers is being sprayed with mist. She is possessed by pa- pa- was a Papa Agwe, the husband that's in the Napoleon costume, and uh, he likes to stay moist. Another follower is eating a live chicken. He's possessed by Lord Ogun, uh, who eats live chickens, we suppose. <laughs> uh, the snake is called Dambala, and he senses that his ruli has been taken from them. 
They blame her nephew, Shekpana, who, based on the events of last issue, is probably at fault. Yeah, yeah definitely played a role here, yeah. It's <laughs> very true. Uh, now, as Ruli's husbands leave the followers' bodies, leaving them moistened and... Uh, Covered in chicken blood. <laughs> I like that too. It's just funny where where uh, the one guy's like, "Oh, he knows I'm a vegetarian," you know. He's just like, <laughs> munching down on a live chicken. Uh, now back at home, Maggie's making dinner while Latoya walks around naked, wrapped in a blanket. She keeps telling Maggie that she's dead. Latoya moves in to kiss Maggie, and now Maggie appears to be dead, but like really dead on the floor, motionless, not walking around draped in a blanket, <laughs> you know, uh, Latoya style dead. Back in the dreaming, Kane is fishing, having dispensed with Abel off-panel. He's enjoying some peace and quiet. Then as Ruli's houseboat comes smashing back into the dreaming and crashes violently right where it had been before. Let me tell you, if it had minor damage before, uh, it has major damage now. The whole front of it just gets totally smashed in. Yeah. Uh, Kane goes to check on Madame as, Ru- as Ruli. She's a little banged up, but basically okay. Her leg is broken, or she needs a wheelchair after this, so something something went wrong there. But uh, Uncle Monday was swept over the side of the boat, but somehow they, in the process they picked up Shakpana. Uh, hovering in the air above them is the ghostly form of Latoya, and this looks like a ghost for real, not a monster of wind and water. It looks like Latoya, but white with crackly stuff around her eyes. I guess yeah. that's, that's ghostly enough, sure. Uh, as Ruli says, this is Latoya's, Latoya's divine spark. Asked what she's doing there, and then the uh, ghost of Latoya says she has to stand guard. Shakpana says something bad is coming. He sensed it while in the rift, and Latoya's ghost says not to go in there. You might come out changed, but uh, a little too late for that advice, Latoya. Thanks a little, you know, you could have told Mm -hmm. us that ten minutes ago. Abel is back, as he is, you know, is known to do. And Shakpana asks if they can go back to his house, and he wants to find out why he and his aunt aren't healing. But before they leave, Maggie's ghost shows shows up and takes place next to Latoya. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what that means, but it means something. And uh, yeah, that was some crazy stuff, Chris, huh? Indeed, uh, indeed well, it was. What are your thoughts about this? Um, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed it. Uh, I feel like it. Uh, I feel like I was reading this forever, though. It yeah. felt like <laughs> we jumped around so much to these different scenes, and uh, it, it just felt like it kind of overstayed its welcome, which is weird to say in this age of. You know, decompressed storytelling, sure. but uh, it felt like we were cramming a lot in here. The uh, the, the storytelling didn't feel as uh, organic as it did last issue. Here it was just very, very forced. Um, I do appreciate that the first, their first thing that they did is try to sail the boat out of the fissure, because that's I think if they hadn't, that would have been the question we would have had. Absolutely. Like, well, yeah. Why don't they just try to leave? Just just <laughs> sail the boat. You got water. You know what I mean? What's the problem? But yeah, I'm, I'm glad they looked know at why. that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I liked a lot of things in this book, and you know, there are no really wasted scenes. In every scene, we do learn more information about sure. the characters or the nature of, you know, uh, as Ruli or different things that we need to know. Uh, a lot or, of lore, yeah. So there is that, but you're right that it, it there was something very uh, off about the pacing. It, it really seemed to like that's have the a, perfect word. Yeah, have the pacing a, uh, was off. Yeah, like a really herky jerky feel to it. And I think it was the the quick cutting back and forth. Um, and you said forced. I think that's right. I think you know the 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 creative team they wanted to get certain things on the table for the story to mm-hmm. go to move forward. And in a way, we just sort of got like dealt a deck of cards of those things. You know, just like sure. just like you know, here are here are the 
followers of Dahomey, here are her husbands. Here is, you know, the nature of Uncle Monday. Here is, you know, why they can't sell out of the blunk, 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 you know, just like one after another. Uh, yeah. And it's weird to say I would have actually liked kind of a little a little more relaxing, a little more hanging out with Uncle Monday. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, just give it room to breathe. Give everything a little bit more room to breathe so it actually builds upon itself instead of, like you said, just being a deck of cards or like a Dagwood sandwich, which is piling meat. You just, know, you're not going to taste any of it yeah, if you keep piling it that just, way. Just keep slapping it on there. However, uh, you know, you, I definitely do feel like uh, you go the other way too far, the book becomes exactly. a horrible ripoff. So exactly. I think I probably would rather it go a little closer to the... Uh, over-sharing, over-informational <laughs> way. Uh, as far as artistically, you know, everything looks great. I love the way, like, sure. the, the scene in the rift, you know, it, it did convey to me this, like, uh, spookiness and windiness and, like, you know what I mean? It, it, it worked as far as, like, being a, uh, you know scary place even for these demigods you know what i mean like sure. they were they were having trouble here and when they're having trouble then you know it's uh some some freaky stuff uh yeah i really don't have a ton more to say about it um you know i i would definitely recommend it if you like the number one mm-hmm. march right on to number two on the site i gave it a 6.5 out of 10 which i think is still a strong score I, you know i was kind of between a 6.5 and a 7 and i went the negative way but Again, you know what I mean? If if it's if this book is speaking to you, it's going to continue to do so. What do you think you'd land with this? I'd probably go around seven. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's because uh, I I didn't check your score until uh, until after I devised mine, uh, my my calculations and uh, whiteboard writings. Uh, so I, I went with a, <laughs> I went with a, a seven out of ten and. Uh, yeah, I, I could be I could be talked down to six point five or up to a seven point five. It yeah. wasn't uh, it wasn't the best thing in the world, but it didn't it didn't make me mad either. Yeah, I, you know I'm interested to see how this might tie into the dreaming and the other books in the same universe. In the overall, yeah, uh, that could that could skew our feelings about it wildly one way or the other. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm, sure. I'm having a good time and. Uh, Definitely, you know, obviously don't plan to drop it anytime <laughs> uh, in the near future. Uh, we do have something for next week, though. Woo! We do. We're we're launching Lucifer next week. Lucifer number one. Uh, I, I, do we have it yet? Is it? Is it? Do we know it's coming? It is definitely in the house, and I, I'd have there we go. sent it to your uh, email address. So excellent. It is. It, I haven't looked at it, so it might be a book of blank, like the. Uh, <laughs> it might be one of the like DC some of them blank books, which you know we, we'll still review it. Be like, pages, sure. pages were very white, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as we know, maybe that's Lucifer's greatest. The Lord of Lies is he's going to sell you a blank comic book. You know, that's the, that's the true. biggest trick of all was making you believe that comic book exist, existed. But uh, <laughs> uh, and I think after this, if everything goes well, you know, and we we have seated not go well. We should be doing a uh, episode every week for. Yes. I don't know what happens on fifth weeks, but we'll figure it out when that comes. Sure. Over. So I think that's all we got from this week. Chris, got anything else for him? No, I think that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it dreamily. See ya. See my daddy in bed dying. See his hair turn.